Hey guys, I'm Megan. I'm Dana. And I'm Abby. And welcome back to a campfire episode of Scary Stories to Tell Your Sister. Welcome back. This is the first campfire episode of season two. And it's also the first episode of season two where Abby's back with us today. Hello, it's me. She's the problem. (laughs) Abby, would you like to to regale all of us with how you've been thus far since we've all last heard of you? Yeah, absolutely. I've been blessed, stressed, and a mess. There you go. (laughs) And nothing sums it up better than that. It does. I mean, we have some really, really good times this summer, but also not so good times yeah <laughs> life has just been life complicated and messy stressy and messy and yeah fun and we had a nice date night last night which was nice we did that yeah. was lovely yes uh, you guys absolutely beautiful thank you it's fun when you look like a human when you're not with babies or dogs yeah but I'm excited to get into this one because I know we have, I know I have a lot of stories picked out. I know Abby has a lot of stories picked out. I do. I have one that scares the pants off of me. Um, (gasps) That excites me. And so when this episode comes out, Abby and I will actually be on vacation. So when it came time to pick the topic, it was my turn. So I knew exactly what I was going to do because It'll come out the first weekend of September, which in the United States is Labor Day weekend, which is kind of the informal end of summer and beginning of fall for a lot of people. That's tradition time when many people take vacations, a last little like summer hurrah. And so to look back on summer fun and vacations or staycations or road trips or whatever Megan goes off topic on. And you're what? And I will. <laughs> <laughs> we are covering scary summer slash scary vacation stories. And it was kind of hard. I know we were talking earlier about looking for this. I think the ones we got curated for this week are really good because we had to search really hard for it. Because if you tur- if you if you search if you search for like scary vacation stories, it's like, oh, my passport got stolen in France. And I'm like, yeah, that is scary but not right not in the supernatural variety yeah not in the campfire a scary story you're gonna tell with people right not the kind of horror we're looking for yeah well I mean legit horror when I'm looking for a vacation story like yeah. people on vacation I want to know the terrifying things that happen too so I can avoid them these oh. stories I also want to avoid but for many different reasons yeah. I avoid all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Best practice. Megan's like, no, I don't go anywhere. <laughs> you guys ready? Yeah. You doing good? Am I doing good? Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing well. How good. are you guys? I'm good. Had a, we, had a, we actually took a nap before recording, so we are refreshed and ready to be scared. Mm-hmm. Ooh. So how, how do you want to do this? Do you want to go like, who wants to go first? I'll go first. <gasps> oh, Megan will go first. That's okay. Go ahead, Megan. Now, Abby's Abby's the guest. So, Abby, go ahead. I said I would go first, so that way, if I had a really great story and one of you took it, it would seem like I had the story first and you guys were stealing from me. So. (laughs) Perfect. Okay. 
So this first story kind of takes place around summer camp. A lot of my stories take place surrounding summer camps because that was the easiest way that I could find good stories to tell. Like summer camps, like ch- like sleepaway camps? Yeah, okay. yeah, or like camping stories. Okay, yeah, perfect. So, I got up during the night to go to the camp toilet. It wasn't far away. I could see it from our tent. There wasn't anybody around. On my way back, I spotted a man I didn't recognize shining a torch into the side of the boys' tent to make the shadows appear. When he saw me approach, he put his torch away and walked away, but was sort of hovering around the campsite. Mm -mm. I thought he was campsite security and that I was going to get in trouble for leaving my tent during the night. And as I was an anxious kid, which like same. All of us. Yep. It kept me up all night. As I couldn't sleep, I noticed for a good hour or so that the guy was still walking around and shining his torch into the side of tents. I could hear him and see the light. In the morning, I was falling asleep at breakfast, and my friends were taking the piss about it, and they were mocking him. One of the teachers noticed and thought I was getting sick, so she came over to see if I was all right, and I said I had been up all night because of the camp security guard shining his torch into the tents. She looked horrified and said, what camp security? And went off to tell one of the male teachers. It turned out that the campsite didn't have security, and the police were called. Some guy who was known to the area for being a sex offender had recently been released from prison and was living in in the nearby forest in a tent. (gasps) Yep. That is nearby. Yep. Yep. So they just, they walked out and they just saw some creepy man just shining the lights in all the tents. I'm glad you said something. Yeah. I'm being like, oh, nope. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who wants to go next? You know what? I'll go. That'll be great. Do it. Okay. Now, I'll be honest. Some of mine are kind of long, but they're great. About seven years ago, I was on a backpacking trip with three friends. One was a ranger. The rest of us were bio and botany nerds. And all four of us saw something we we still cannot explain. Day one went off without a hitch, a bit long and a lot of elevation gain, But nonetheless, we set up camp and heated up some beans and rice under what was one of the clearest summer skies I can remember. This is up in Washington, and the night sky for the mountains is just unreal. Day two was different. All four of us awoke shortly before dusk to a shrill scream. Hmm. Not super uncommon. Most of us are pretty seasoned hikers, campers, backpackers. The sound of something getting killed is pretty universal. None of us could quite make it out. If I remember correctly, we mostly assumed it was a coyote with that familiar yelp slash wail. Anyways, it was pretty close, which is probably why it woke us all up. So we started scoping out a small radius around the campsite. We found what looked like somebody had put a bomb on some kind of animal. No evidence of an actual explosive. I'm just trying to give you this picture I have in my head. A totally indecipherable heap of flesh and fur. Probably about the size of a German Shepherd. Similar fur and coloration, too. We discussed how odd it was for a bit, then decided more or less, eh, what are you going to do? And moved on. Best explanation was that something tore into it and bailed, maybe by the sound of us waking up. Day three was, did you see that? We're winding down from a fairly short day of hiking. We're all tired, I guess. I remember us joking about being old farts now and not being able to hustle like we we could a few years prior. Same. Same. I mean, honestly, (laughs) I'm like, man, you're hiking a lot. I'm like, "Mm, can I sleep in the cabin with a fan? (laughs) The sun was just making its way down over the tree line. 
when we busted out the whiskey and started boiling a pot of water for more beans and rice. I'll never forget this moment as long as I live. One of our crew was just launching into a story about his ex, and it went something like this. Yeah, so she was just about the worst possible kind of. He gets cut off loudly by a loud pop, which we all unanimously recognized slash described as a tree's last leg snapping before it falls. We were all standing now, scanning the tree line. We're in a small clearing aside from the single large tree we're next to. A few minutes go by without a sound. Nothing. We start hearing the forest life make noise again, mostly birds doing their thing. So we got silent for a second. We all settle back in, presuming the tree wound up leaning against another tree instead of hitting the forest floor. It sounded pretty close, but there weren't too many trees we needed to be concerned about, i.e. they couldn't reach us if they fell in the middle of the night. Then another wail, like the one we heard on the first night, except more distant. I never sensed it, but someone from the crew said it sounded like it came from a cave, like it echoed. Oh, no. So we went looking for a cave in that general direction (laughs) at night. We were out for about... At any time of day. (laughs) Why? We were out for about 45 minutes before one of us suggested we head back as we were going to be out of sunlight soon. So it wasn't night just yet. It was, oh, yeah, it was not. Never did find anything like a cave or something that would cause this kind of reverb for, or any kind of body. More importantly, it's starting to get dark and we're all of a ways from the safety of our tent. Heading back towards the clearing slash our campsite from the woods when something catches our friend's eye. Did you see that? He's pointing across the clearing about nine o'clock. We're taking a direct path, so our campsite is dead ahead at twelve. I really like the way side note, I really like the way this person describes things. It makes it so clearly. You can tell they're obviously yeah. like like they're like the the nerds and like camp, yeah. they're like this is how it is. I'm like, makes sense. Yeah. We're all looking at the direction, standing the tree line. Where? What? Dude, I'm telling you, there was a person right there, just beyond camp. He's visibly shaken by it. It's pretty obvious he wasn't fooling around or thought he'd be mistaken. And if you're wondering, shaken because we're nowhere near a road or town, and even the nearest trail is miles away. Mm, yay. A handful of times I run into other backpackers in a similar way, people checking out your camp, slashing, needing directions, or your, I'm sorry, people checking out your camp, slash heading the direction of your fire. So the rest of us had a pretty open, let's go check out mentality. Not our buddy. He suggested we all take a knee and wait while we hide in the tree line's cover. He's like, "Uh uh-uh. So there we are, kneeling in the brush, staring at our own campsite from the other side of the clearing when we all unanimously see a figure start to move against the brush from nine to eight to seven counterclockwise Wait, and they're at six aren't they? they're at <laughs> six remember we're effectively six o'clock so this becomes uncre- increasingly un- unsettling i remember noting our ranger buddy rattling rattling his rifle his rifle and another friend putting his hand on his knife i'm pretty sure we're all feeling the same uneasiness now I say we saw a figure, but really we could just hear and occasionally see the brush moving in that area. Mm. Ranger Buddy declares it just has to be a bear. 
the original spotter whispering his argument about it standing like a person. We decide that either way, getting into the clearing and making our presence known is the best choice. We either need to scare off the bear Mm -hmm. or confront this person. So we all stand up and jog into the clearing shouting, hey, bear. This is a more or less standard procedure in case you're wondering. Have you seen all of those videos of of hikers just being like, hey, bear? No, I haven't. Um, All being sure to keep our eyes towards the area we last heard slash saw something moving. Nothing happens. Nothing at all. Now we're all standing in the middle of the clearing, somewhere about halfway between our six o'clock position and our camp, just waiting for something to happen. We're about 20 minutes away from total darkness when there's another wail from four o'clock. Remember, we're all staring now towards seven. So it's like, boom. Mm -hmm. I whirl around before making, before realizing one of us is already looking that way. His face totally pale. There's a bunch of adrenaline here and everything is happening pretty fast, but I'll never forget catching a look on his face before I fully turned around. Then I saw it too. We all did. There's a silhouette of a tall man leaning over something else, facing away from us. And then he clearly rests on one knee before turning to look our way. Our ranger buddy has his rifle in his air. Hey, who the fuck is O? He's about to lay in for hunting when the figure comes to a full stand, hard to gauge, probably about six feet tall, and absolutely takes off away from us. And I don't mean like a man scrambling to run away or a bear bounding off into the bush, like Usain Bolt, as if he were born and raised in the mountains. Never in my life have I seen anything like it. And I'm almost embarrassed to admit my first reaction was a ghost. After a pretty long wait and arguing over what what it was slash what to do, we swing back to camp to grab a few flashlights and our lamp. It's now past dawn and pretty dark. We make our way over to where the figure was leaning, and it's another mound of flesh. And without getting too detailed, this time some unmistakable fox paws were intermixed. Again, it looked like it exploded. Was open, I think so. Open and the meat eaten on the spot, Ooh. not harvested like a hunter. You probably wouldn't be surprised to hear we didn't sleep much that night. Nope. We we make jokes about encountering Sasquatch out there. I've never been a spiritual man, still not, but it's still very difficult to shake the inhuman yet human supernatural nature of the way it looked and moved, shadowy, and none of us could make up any kind of clothing that would break up its silhouette. Since we could barely see any details anyway, we all figured an actual person's silhouette would be a bit more chopped by wearing a jacket, carrying something, a hat, or whatever. Not to mention, I've never personally seen something kill quite like that. Closest scene, closest thing I've ever seen was a deer post-bear in a time of year that would make it very hungry slash aggressive, which it wouldn't have been during our summer hike. What gets me is that we heard the same shrill wails three times, Mm. and the distance between our two-day site and our three-day site was close to 10 miles, meaning we were on the same general game trail as it was, though none of us noted any trail markings, or it was following us. (gasps) 
My child's playing comparison to that. <laughs> that is scary. Welcome to the game, Abby. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one, Dane. Thank you. I'm next up. So here we go. When I was younger, my family and I went on a road trip to Wyoming to see Yellowstone National Park. It's a beautiful place. And if you haven't seen it yet, I recommend it. Anyways, from our home in California, it was about seven, a 17-hour drive in our Yukon. It took us several days worth on and off driving to get there. And during the nights, we would try to find a little motel to rest at. One of the nights, due to us being behind schedule, my dad attempted to drive through the night to get us there sooner. He made it probably into the wee hours of the night before he deemed it unsafe and parked us in this little unlit rest stop in the middle of the woods in some flyover state. My brother and I had fallen asleep in the car several hours before he'd stopped. So for at least a couple hours, we were all sleeping in the car in a dark little park, in a dark little parking lot surrounded by forest. Oh, my favorite kind of parking lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Having gotten a couple of hours of sleep and being in pretty in Having gotten a couple hours of sleep and being in a pretty uncomfortable position, I woke up in the middle of the night, pretty disoriented, but not really scared. That can be the I, worst one in this point, if she had to sleep in a car or anything like that. Yeah. Wait, what? You'd be the worst in that position. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very finicky. So, um, did you say pain in the ass? No. Oh. <laughs> Dana? No, yeah. Did you actually though? No, I didn't. Did I? No. I don't think so. Oh, I thought you said pain in the ass. Okay, no. <laughs> well, maybe the ghost said it. Maybe Paul. House, yeah, but... the guy in the attic. He's not wrong. I, I am. So <laughs> <laughs> I woke up in the middle of the night, pretty disoriented, but not really scared. I looked around and I saw everyone fast asleep in this pitch black car, and naturally, I felt pretty alone. I tried to fall back asleep, but it just wasn't working out. So I just sat there for a while, boredom setting in, looking out the window to see where we were. It was pitch black, so I couldn't see jack shit. Luckily, I wasn't the type to pack light and had brought a couple flashlights in my bag. Being careful not to disturb my sleeping family, I reached into the back seat, unzipped my bag, and pulled out a little plastic yellow flashlight. It wasn't the brightest, but it was enough to see the foreground of the general surroundings. I put it up to the glass, making sure not to make any noise, and pushed the little switch into the on position. I pressed my face against the glass mm -hmm. and looked out. At first, it looked like a normal tree line with some bushes, trees, whatever. But as I scanned the darkness, looking for animals, buildings, etc., I noticed this dark shape standing between these two trees in the distance. It looked like the shape of a man, but it wasn't moving. Just sitting there. After watching it for a good while and seeing no real signs of movement, I just assumed it was a bush or some kind of natural occurrence. Sometimes when I'm driving at night, I think some of some of the fire hydrants are like the, the we have like certain fire boxes in here, in Massachusetts. Like 
And if I like driving and I like look at the corner of my eye like a human, no, Firefox. So <laughs> I get that. For a good while and seeing no real signs of movement. Oh, sorry. I already read that. Just as I was about to turn the light off and reattempt sleep, I saw this shadow shape turn 90 degrees and move behind a tree, disappearing from sight. This scared the shit out of me. And I immediately turned off the flashlight and threw my sweater turned blanket over my head, shut my eyes tightly and covered my ears. I was paralyzed with fear and too full of adrenaline to get any sleep. Sat in the semi-fetal position, clutching my flashlight for the rest of the night. I waited until the sun came up and we were back on the road before I got any sleep. I didn't tell anyone that I had saw the man in the woods. Mm. Mm-mm. Also, I would just say that would never happen to me because the moment I moved in that back seat and Megan was sleeping, she'd be like, no, why are you moving? Also, if the light was on, she'd be like, I can hear that light bulb. (laughs) (laughs) I probably, yeah, Dana's not wrong. I probably could hear it. Mm -hmm. But Um, also, I'm like, the little flossed against the window, that's terrifying. Yeah, I am always scared whenever we're driving on the highway or something or like around, like we're driving on a road and there's like, wooded areas on both sides of us i'm always scared that i'm gonna look out the window and just see like somebody getting murdered or something or someone waddling menacingly towards you you know what oh you, you faced that worst fear how was it it was terrifying you scared you so. i don't imagine that it's funny that you imagine somebody getting murdered i imagine always always passing tree lines and i imagine seeing like yeti or what's nothing not yeti big sasquatch yeah mm. him walking through the woods like a loping yeah i i was expect to see something yeah like i don't know what it is but like it's i don't think i don't think i see action i think i see like uh either the post murder scene or sasquatch just standing there staring at me mm-hmm. but when we went to was it virginia we went to we drove or was it dc i think it was virginia because we stopped we went we got lost in maryland or something like that to go to that sketchy arrest oh yeah that was the worst yeah. i remember being heightened like, yeah that was right around dc wasn't it yeah i think it was maryland so yeah, okay, yeah. i remember being like yeah that like was it. terrifying yeah bad vibes are bad vibes all right are we ready for mine ready freddy uh ready. a lot of mine are shorter in comparison to your guys but i don't care that's fine it works um, out nicely yeah okay we were on this really long canoe trip in northern ontario like deep wilderness We were on this gorgeous clear lake when we found a secluded beach. It was really beautiful. So we decided to stay there for the night. The whole day and even sitting around the fire that night felt weird. Something was off, but I couldn't really place my finger on it. I woke up in the middle of the night to to the sound of soft country music. I just have to say, if you hear banjos, run. (laughs) None of us had a stereo, so I stuck my head out of the tent to see what the fuck was up. There was a bald guy going through our campsite, picking up stuff as he went along. We made eye contact, and he put a finger to his lips and made a shh sound. So I hid in my sleeping bag. I can't remember what he took, but it wasn't much, and it turns out that there was a pretty significant hermit population in northern Ontario. Oh my goodness! Yeah, scary. What would you guys do if we, the three of us were camping, and I leaned over to both of you in the middle of the night and I said, run. I pee and run. Same time. <laughs> I think I would say, what? 
I feel like I would definitely need more directions as far as what direction. Yeah, I'm running where in. we're camping. Are we, are we like by the water or where he said, there's a man or there's something outside? Mm-mm. I'm like, what? Where? Listen, I was talking to my boss about like horror movies and everything like that. And I was telling her that I retain these images from horror movies and I apply them into my everyday life. Oh, yeah. So like while walking the dog at three in the morning, I pictured the demon from Midnight Mass <laughs> in the parking lot just waiting for me. Also, yeah, because we went because Abby and I went to Vermont. Oh, yeah. A couple months. And was it August? No. Ju- yeah, it was, no, it was July before yeah. you came to visit us. And we stayed this really cute like cabin in the woods type thing. Yeah, um, I got so scared there. You got so scared. But we have, we have a rule. The rule is we can't tell anybody our scary thoughts until we're leaving. Yeah. Because otherwise, we would be the type to talk ourselves out of staying. We would get that scared. And we'd be like, fuck it. We're done. We're done. That's fair. Also, this is a little tip for you guys. I I need to share this with Ray because he has a tendency to get loud unintentionally. But, like, if I were to wake him up, you know, to tell him, like, there's somebody staring at us or there's somebody by the tent, right? Mm -hmm. You should... Quiet. When when if somebody tries to wake you up, be quiet. Because if you say what, what is it? You know, then the person will know mm, that you got hey. I wake up in a panic. She does. So she be like, oh, what? what's, what's happening? What what do you mean? I'm like, you're the worst. You're the worst. I need to be woken up because yeah. I am, as Abby Remember, said, confident, competent. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so okay. This is mine. Once again, even the person said, this is going to be a long one. (laughs) So I did my fair share of camping as a youth growing up in far north Queensland. We do it as teenagers to go pig hunting on big old farms on the tablelands. The farmers would pay us good cash to shoot some kangaroos and wild pigs, which can get into their crops there. Anyway, me and three friends were doing a bit of pig hunting on a school holiday. I'm assuming they mean wild boar. I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which are like, yeah. On a school holiday, we've been out for three days already and had two days to go. Back to fair share of ruse, which the farmer would pay us good money for. So we were all having fun and enjoying the freedom of being young youth. To give you perspective, this par- particular farm was huge. Off-road driving could take easily more than three hours to get from one side to the other. Wow. Yeah. That's bigger than like a week. In three hours, we're in like what? Uh, Maine? Yeah. So it was really remote and often you didn't feel you were on a farm just on someone's private land. The farmer told us we were the only folks camping during that time. So to be wary about any strangers we come across as they shouldn't be there. Great. That's foreshadowing. Right. (laughs) And that's called foreshadowing. (laughs) Anyway, on our second to last night, we set up camp near a lot of trees and reasonably close to the river. Nice little flat sandy area perfect for a campsite we built a fire settled in for the evening had a car radio bursting out some tunes from some random station we could pick up talking shit around the fire and doing a bit of drinking the night was getting close it was the night was getting close to midnight we turned the radio off and started to settle down just talking shit and going back to about going back to school that's when we heard some voices we're talking beautiful female voices oh mine Kind of singing, far off in the distance. Kind of drifting on the wind. 
at first I thought it was me. It reminds me of you telling Megan you have perfect pitch. <laughs> <laughs> at first I thought it was me imagining it, but my friends all went silent. And we listened to these voices. It sounded like they were singing. There was a long pause. All of us looking at each other like, what the fuck are we hearing? The voices were coming far off in the forest near our campsite, but close enough for us to kind of hear laughter and -hmm. generally very nice singing. One of my mates is Aboriginal, which is the indigenous of Australia. And I shit you not, he went white like a ghost. He seriously looked white in the dark. I asked him, what's up? And he told us, whatever we do, don't follow or go check on those voices. Aboriginal folk have some story of these very long, slender type of people that live in the bushland. And they'll sing and talk to hikers or campers to lure them off the main tracks. It's like a siren kind of. Mm-hmm. What Abby said? Like a, like a sea siren. Oh. Yeah. People used to go missing way back when in Aboriginal history. So the elders were always one of the community not to listen to the voices. It also reminds me of flesh wanderers in like Native American aspect. Often they would call to you when you were out hiking to come see what they found or come help. Some of the stories suggest they would eat you. It was the first time that he'd ever believed the elder stories as the first time he'd heard them, but he swore it's what his elders wanted to warn them about. Very nice voices sounding very inviting. He seriously believed this. Me and my other mate were a bit disbelieving. We thought some young girls might be out there having a bit of fun camping with a bit of drink we're considering going out. As we were discussing, the voices seemed to get a bit closer, and my Aboriginal friend told us not to speak to them and to stay by the fire. He literally threw more wood on the fire to make it brighter. We started getting pretty tense. The voices were around our campsite for about 30 to 40 minutes, easily within 50 meters of us now. Very clear, beautiful-sounding voices, and sometimes, I swear to God, I heard them say, come join us. But they went away. The next day, we looked around the area and couldn't find any tracks at all. We are pretty experienced at tracking animals, and people make a pretty big-ass tracks. True story. We will never forget this. We spoke to the farmer of the voice, and he told us they come and go as they please, these voices. He sometimes heard them when he's in his house, and he also believes in the Aboriginal legends. Wow. Him, why did you not warn me about those voices like mm, sir mm. you have three hours drive between you and you said not much like watch out for strangers but also watch out for the yeah. voices yeah also listen, listen as Linda. as a raging lesbian mm-hmm. and a massive simp i would have gone you would have you gone <laughs> she would be like yes. okay yes <laughs> I'm that so is, savvy. I would have jumped from the ship. Oh, as the siren, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it would have. You guys would be strapping me to the mast. <laughs> I mean, you right. All right, I'm up. Take it away, Megan. About two years ago, I was driving home from a family reunion pretty late at night, and the drive was about two hours. I didn't stay the night because I had to be back for work the following day. Most of the drive was on roads with dense bushes and trees on either side. The real creepy ones you see in a lot of movies. Mm, No, those ones. Anyway, I had been driving for about 45 minutes, and I was starting to get really tired. 
you know how sometimes you just suddenly become really tired out of nowhere? Well, yeah, that was happening to me. I knew I wasn't going to last, but I didn't come across any place that felt that I felt I could park and sleep safely. After it became clear to me that I wasn't going to find a place to pull over, I did something very questionable. I pulled over to the side of the road, decided to just stay on the side of the road by the grass behind some bushes to try to sleep there. Roads weren't empty. I came across another car every few minutes or so. I made a mental note that the time was 1122 and then fell asleep. Sometime later, I was awoken by a scratching sound. I looked at the clock, 1150. The sound stopped after a few seconds, and became, and because I was extremely tired, I didn't bother looking around and simply went back to sleep. That's not Honestly, I No, I would oh, do that. That's not me. I was later awoken by the same sound, and it was now 1240. This time, it really freaked me out because the sound didn't stop. The thought ran across my mind that it was just an animal inspecting the car. Mm-hmm. But why would it return almost an hour after it had left the previous time? I looked in my rearview mirror and just managed to catch a glimpse of something running away into the forest. Now, at the time, I thought it was the damn hook killer. You know, uh, yeah! The, the, one, the one that scratched uh, that... Yeah. My pal Bob. The one that scratched the couple's car and then slaughtered the guy when he got out to investigate. Fuck that. The urban, the urban legend. I think I only know it from Supernatural. <laughs> which is basically, yeah, which is that, that basically urban, the urban legend is like they, they base it off of. Got it. I thought to myself, so, oh, fuck that, I thought to myself. So I got the hell out of there. There was a bend no more than a hundred yards up the road. And as I came around to it, there was a fucking car parked off to the side of the road with the driver's side door open. I slowed down just to look to see if anyone was in there. There wasn't. Then I looked to my rearview mirror. I didn't see anything. And all of a sudden, this guy comes sprinting around the corner. He starts screaming at me, shouting stuff like, hey, hey, you. Get the fuck out of your car now. I nope the fuck out of there and sped off. I never saw the guy again. Moral of the story, don't fucking sleep on the side of the deserted road. Moral of the story. I honestly feel like I would confuse the gas and the brake pedal if somebody just came sprinting after me and I'm already scared. <laughs> and that's how Abby killed someone. So, And that's why Abby does not drive the car. <laughs> At night, too. Yeah. Oh, at night. Now she doesn't drive the car at night unless she really has to. I drive at night every night. Unless you... Not night-night. Yeah, night-night. No, the sun is out. I said driving at night-night the other night. I've said night way too many times. Immensely beside the point. Are we ready for mine? During the summers, I would spend a month or so visiting family in Michigan. Me too. Some of my cousins my age would go to a campsite in the up called the hiawatha which we all learned in the mackinac island episode the up stands for upper peninsula excellent job megan upper peninsula Great megan job. what's the square root of 36 get out of here the cabins we... sorry, sorry what, what i said but it's six you're okay. right good great job. job great job megan my brain said nine and when you said six i said she's wrong <laughs> 
<laughs> and that's what did us mad. None of you do math. This is what I didn't. This is what data the scientist, math. Data scientist data. So this is what data started the math and the driving yeah, at night. Whatever. <laughs> the cabins we got assigned for the week had about six campers and two counselors, and were spaced far apart from each other, deep in the woods, away from the common area. Sounds like recipe for success. There were stories about a father and son that were hunting near the campgrounds during the off season. The story went that the father thought he saw a big buck and took a shot at it only to get to the deer and find out he shot his son. Being so deep in the woods and such a fatal shot, he shot his son in the head to stop the pain. <gasps> yeah. These up these, these stories might need some trigger warning. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll do trigger warning pre all of this. I'll edit it back into it. The game and wildlife agents found them and said that the father suffered an apparent gunshot wound, so it would look like a murder-suicide. The counselors always felt it necessary to tell the story to the younger slash new campers. <laughs> now, I don't know if hearing the story in the atmosphere of cabins being so far from the common areas and deep in the woods caused me to see things. It would for me. But a friend and I were walking from the cabins to the mess hall early one morning before the breakfast bell, and we saw what looked like a father and son dressed like they were hunting, carrying shotguns, walking toward our cabin. Ours was almost second from being the farthest from anything. We took off so fast sprinting through the trees, and once we hit the open field between the cabins and the mess hall, we saw another group of guys running out behind us. We were so shocked to see anyone else before the bell rang, and running no less. We asked why they were running too, and they looked back from the direction they came, turned back and, uh, turned back to us, and said, we saw a hunter pointing a shotgun at us. Mm -hmm. That is scary. The ghosties. Okay, guys, it's me, your girl, with more creepy. What would you do if you saw that, though? Quick question. Cheers. Mm -hmm. I would run. Are they aiming at me? What if they're, like, trucking through, but you're at a camp, so you don't think they should be hunters? Would you call attention to them? No, Tina, it's me. No, you wouldn't. Something falls behind me and I say, I don't have any business in that. She did. I don't know if she told you that or not. I think I did. So we were talking about this the other day with you, but I don't think we talked about it in the podcast, where we have a garden plot at the community garden. And at the same area, sorry, there's a dog park. Dogs are obviously not allowed in the garden area, but they are allowed in the dog park area. And Abby was with Ferris in the dog park while I was tending to my garden. And she said, I heard something hit the ground behind me. And I said, no, I'm not turning around to look. So that's her. I'd be like, what is it? No, I said, I don't need to know. <laughs> oh, my God. I would look. It's not. Oh, she said. Mm -hmm. So my turn. My family goes camping in Joshua Tree twice a year, every year. This has been going on for at least 60 years. The person writing is 28, so it's been going on way before they were born and still going on. And that whole time, my family has only ever left early on two occasions. The first was when it rained up in the mountains and caused three inches of flash flood to wash out our camp at, our camp at four in the morning. Makes sense? Yep. Peace out. Where's your mother? The second time was much more terrifying, and none of us have an answer to what exactly happened. It's the first night of camping, and 12-year-old me is in the girl's tent with all my girl cousins, and about six of my male cousins are 10 feet away for us in another tent. My parents were closer to the road, along with three sets of uncles and aunts. All in all, there were about 20 of us there. 
Most of our tents are the kind you can zip open at the top to see the stars. And I always love doing that because I'm a bad sleeper and it gives me something to look at when everyone else goes to sleep. At one point, I close my eyes and I start to fall asleep when a small pebble from a humongous boulder next to our tent falls on top of the tent. I'm used to this because birds or squirrels often knock small debris around and try to get at our food during the middle of the night. I open my eyes and the first thing I see is someone appears to be standing on top of the boulder. <gasps> 15 feet up in the air, looking down into mm. our tents. No, no. The person seemed to be wearing tight clothing and was really skinny and seemed oddly shaped. What? what at, <laughs> at first, I tell myself that it's one of my male cousins because they have been trying to scare us all night. But the person was moving really weird. Its head was moving back and forth like a cobra. Like this? Yeah, I think. Like that. Wait. Like it, gets it gets like a chicken. I don't said a cobra. Let me like this. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Wait, it gets worse, everyone. And it kept crouching down on all fours and crawling down the face of the rock closer no, to us no is it a, is it a, is it a freaking wendy boy i don't think so <laughs> and crawling back up and pacing at one point it looked up at someone making noise at another campsite and its eyes gleamed in the moonlight i'm also sure it did not have the skull shape of a coyote or a mountain lion it had a flat face with no snout so i'm lying in my tent freaking out trying to rationalize what i'm looking at a lot of time goes by, and this thing continues to watch us and move its body in really strange ways. I thought about screaming, but the thing kept coming down the side of the rock, and I was afraid it would jump onto our tents and kill us. Yeah, same. After some time, I hear, hey, what the fuck? Hey, hey, what are you doing? It's my uncle. Suddenly, at like three in the morning, everyone is awake. My female cousins are awake and confused, and two of my older male cousins jump out of their tent with an axe. For a few seconds, the thing stays completely still, but then my aunt and several of my cousins see it, and they all scream. Someone finds a flashlight, and they turn it on, but the thing jumps off the backside of the rock. A couple of seconds later, it gallops slash runs out from behind the rock past our campsite. I'm so sorry. I just pictured myself galloping away. <laughs> <laughs> my, uncle manages <laughs> my uncle manages to shine a light for on it for a second, and I still don't have any idea what I saw. Besides the fact that the thing definitely didn't have clothes on, but was naked and had a dark mark on its side that I mistook for spandex. Hmm. We hear screaming and thrashing from another campsite, and several of our guys go over to investigate. Whatever the thing was escaped into another campsite and ran into a small two-person scent, ran into it. And it never came out? Well, I went, the guy, <laughs> went out. When, <laughs> and it never came out? When the ranger got there, it was four in the morning and everyone's confused. My uncle and the people at the other tent said it was a naked person. I definitely don't think it's a person. And thankfully, two of my adult male cousins had also spent some time watching it and being absolutely terrified by it. So they agreed with me that it wasn't a person. We gave them all the details we could, and one of them told us that it was probably a coyote or a mountain lion with mange. The other <laughs> ranger looked really, really concerned, and I think he went off into the night to look after it, to look for it. 
Either way, it was too big for a coyote. And during college, I entered in a program where I helped track mountain lions. And I know for sure mountain lions do not move like that nor look like that when they have mange. We all left and went home that night. Either there was a naked crazy person, a monster, or a mountain lion with mange running around and it had spent at least an hour watching us. No thank you. Mm-hmm. We stayed in a hot- in hotels for a couple of years after that. And I've camped there at least 20 more times since then. And I've never heard or seen anything like it since. No, that would haunt me. Yeah. Forever. That is so scary. When you first started talking about like the tent and how you had the the little could open up and you could see the stars. Mm -hmm. I was imagining like how beautiful that would be and how like I would be the same way. And then after that, no, thank you. We went to, we went to see the meteor shower. Yeah. Um, we had meteor shower in, earlier this month and we were going to go to the beach to watch it. But then we decided to go to like a darker area because, mm-hmm. you know, we want to be able to see it a little bit better. So we just drove in like to the darkest spot that was closest to us and found like this off the side of the road, you know, spot. There was a big field and just pulled onto this really dark country road. As one does. Yeah. And Ray's like, do you want to just like open the windows and, and look? And I was like, no, because Dana, all I could picture looking out my window at this big dark field was Leatherface coming running full speed at me. And I was so scared. I get but that. I get that. Honestly, that's a that is a story in my life. That is how I exist, ninety nine percent of the time. <laughs> but we did get out, and we did see the shower, and it was nice. But Dana, that was terrifying. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Do it. Go. All right. Blake and his oh Blake. I put Blake because they didn't have a name. Blake. I heard blanket. <laughs> All right, so this guy and his girlfriend were on a road trip through California when they found a relatively empty campsite. They set up camp, made dinner, and went to bed. In the middle of the night, they were awoken by someone whistling outside of their tent to the tune of, when the saints come marching in. Absolutely not. They laid in utter silence, hoping the singing person would go away. But then the whistling turned into chanting, no. <laughs> Sleep here, you disrespect me. And when you disrespect me, you disrespect the U.S. Marines. They knew they needed to get out of there. They quietly climbed from their tent into their truck and drove to a motel in the neighboring town. The next morning, they drove back to the campsite to retrieve their belongings that they'd left behind. As they were leaving, they paused at the, ca- at the site adjacent to where they had slept, where a family had been staying. The family told them that the singing had continued for another two to three hours after they'd left. Oh my God. And it was one of the creepiest things they'd ever experienced. Ugh. Hate it. No, thank you. I like how they left their things just got into the car. I think that's what we would do. We would do the same. Yeah, but no, we'll come back for it. We can buy new things. We can buy new new things. Yep. (laughs) What? You're kind of frozen. No. What you drinking? Are you chugging that? What's happening? You're lagging. Really? Can you see me? I can, yeah, I can see you now. You hear me? Catching up, so you're just going in like super fast. Okay, okay we're good. 
My friends and I were camping out in the middle of nowhere when I found an open Wi-Fi network. (gasps) We parked the truck about a mile down the trail, and from there, it was a 15-minute drive to the only ramp onto the highway. We were pretty far removed from civilization, to say the least. After we were all done with checking in on Facebook and replying to Snapchats, because I like how they use the Wi-Fi network, they were like, well, it's here, might as well do it. My friends and I made a game of finding the source of the signal. Marco and Sean went in one direction, Mike and I in the other. Three minutes later, we were all back at the site. The signal dropped off after 185 paces in the direction I went and roughly 250 in the opposite. We agreed with Sean's proposal to go in a third direction, so to approximate by triangulation the whereabouts of the source. Marco counted the steps. Mike kept an eye on the signal indicator. Sean and I looked out for anything that remotely resembled a router. About 100 feet in, Mike told Marco to stop counting. The signal was at full strength. I looked around for flashing LEDs or running cables or anything that lit up. Marco suggested it could be a pocket Wi-Fi hotspot that another camper had left behind, Mm -hmm. though it was unlikely since there was no, and at this time it was 3G coverage. There was no 3G coverage out there. (laughs) But we found nothing. We gave up the search and made our way back towards the campsite. That's when the Wi-Fi signal disappeared. The sun was setting and it was starting to fog up. A little spooked, we agreed we would pack up our stuff and hike back to the truck. When we got back, we realized that we had been robbed. Our bags were torn open, our food supplies were missing, and our tents were toppled. What immediately seemed odd to me, though, was that the thieves hadn't taken our laptops or our cameras. Upon closer inspection, all they took were the foods and beverages. And in my opinion, that was the scary part. Yeah. Needless to say, we crammed whatever we could into our torn up bags and made a dash for the truck. It wasn't until we got onto the truck that Mike told us to check our phones. The Wi-Fi signal was at full strength again. A chill ran down my spine when I saw the name of the connection. Run, boys, run. (gasps) So scary. That is oh right we have we have a neighbor who i don't see it not a man to move maybe but they for a while they are cody brown's fifth wife <laughs> that was I their see- wi-fi connection <laughs> okay but that is terrifying if, right? what would you do if you saw that i would run i would leave one one thing i don't know if i connect to the wi-fi i'm like what it's doing out here yeah i think same. i'd be instantly disquieted by yeah. something being out that far mm-hmm. okay so here's mine it didn't happen to me, directly to me, but to my dad. My family traveled to Italy one summer for another family member's wedding, and we went and we rented and we rented a villa in a nearby town. The longtime owner slash resident of the villa was an Italian man somewhere in his late fifties or sixties, which is right around the same age as my dad at the time, who was also Italian. During the peak vacation times throughout the year, the owner of the property would spend a spend time at a second home farther away while he had a property manager handle the vacation rentals for him. The property manager was a very friendly, was very friendly and would stop by every day to check to see if he needed anything and had grown quite friendly with my father. Anyway, one morning during the trip, we all woke up as we would normally do and made our way down to breakfast. At breakfast, my dad told us about the scariest dream he had last night. He said in his dream, he was in his room at the villa, but awoke, he was still in his dream, to a dark, malicious figure standing over him. Mm -mm. The figure made its way over to my dad and began trying to, what my dad described as, suffocate and take him. All the while, my dad had been fighting against it with all of his strength. 
Finally, after figuring, after fighting the force so hard, he pushed so hard in his dream that he woke himself up to him pushing his own arm, thinking it was a dark force. He showed us the bruises and marks on his arm in the morning as proof. Mm. Flash forward a couple hours. We were all hanging out at the pool, having a relaxing day in the sun. At a couple of times during the day, a couple of locals from the town had come by looking to speak with the owner's son. But we had to explain to them that we were renting the place for the week and the son was not there. We really didn't think much of it. Finally, the property manager stopped by later in the day and asked to come in and was a bit frantic, grabbing some things throughout the house and clicking some papers. He was a bit he was in a bit of a hurry, but my dad caught him on the way out just to catch up and talk. Then we all realized why the locals have been coming by to our rental to speak with us and to I'm sorry, to speak to the owner's son. As the property manager was leaving, he turned to my dad and said, I'd love to stay and talk, but the owner of the home died suddenly in his sleep last night. And the family has asked me to collect some of these things for them. My dad was shocked. The room my dad was staying at the villa, the primary bedroom where the owner himself had slept. To this day, I've never felt anything more haunting. My dad is convinced that death itself had come looking for the owner that night and found my dad instead fighting for his soul. Wow. That is scary. Creepy. All right, guys, this is my final story. Okay. And it ends on a good note, so that's nice. This story is from my grandpa. He's a retired long-distance truck driver, and he often drove throughout the night and early hours of the morning over unfamiliar roads. This one, this one particular day when my grandpa was in his 30s, it was between 2 a.m. and 3 a.m., and he was driving down a twisting country road that was so narrow, only one vehicle could fit at a time. If two vehicles met from different directions, one would have to pull off the road to let the other pass. Okay. The road was empty, save for my grandpa. On the right side of the road, there was thick woodland. And on the left, open fields and a lake. There were no streetlights. The only light came from my grandpa's truck and the moon. It was pretty lonely. My granddad was going steadily down the road and going a bit faster than he should have. When my grandpa said this, I only took it to mean he was blazing down the road as fast as the truck could go. Dream, really, honestly. Yeah. He was listening to the radio and probably not paying much attention to when he suddenly felt hands on his shoulders and a voice whisper his name in his ear so close that he felt the breath on his skin. He recognized the voice. It belonged to his mother, who had passed away a few years previously. Naturally, this spooked my grandpa, and he instinctively hit the brakes. Seconds later, his headlights lit up a pile of three crashed cars that took up the entire road. My grandpa stopped just short of the wreckage. If he hadn't braked when he did, he was plowed straight into the cars. The occupants in the crash car in the crashed cars were all severely injured, and my grandpa was able to get emergency help. Had he joined the pileup, it probably would have meant a more dire outcome for all of them. There's a number of explanations for what my grandpa's heard and felt, but my grandpa truly believes it was his mother giving him a warning. Absolutely. Also, what a number of explanations for what he heard. Right? So, a number of explanations for the hands and the whisper. Okay, Abigail, my turn. 
Gonna be me and you back to back, Abby. This happened to me when I was little. I went camping with my older brother and my mom. I was about seven or eight and I went to bed around 10 in a sleeping bag inside my tent with both my mom and brother. Sometime during the night, I don't know when, I woke up somewhere in the middle of the woods, still in my sleeping bag. I had no idea where I was or where my tent was. I screamed for my mom and I heard her calling back for me in panic that she was easily a hundred yards away or so. To this day, I have no idea how I ended up in the middle of the woods, still inside my sleeping bag. Terrifying. I bet like, as like as like a nanny and stuff like that, but imagine like the kid, like how you, you still in the sleeping bag. That's so weird. Like you're not like if you're gonna sleepwalk, then you're getting out of the sleeping bag. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So ooh. Every now and then, we love heading out on a hiking and camping trip to the beautiful Dominican mountains to enjoy the pristine, tropical nature and to escape from daily life. This time, we headed from Punta Cana to Loma Linda, a mountain with a gorgeous panorama view and an abandoned restaurant. When pitching our tent, we put it on the old restaurant structure to to protect us from the rain. When going to sleep, we left our tent door half open to benefit from some additional ventilation, like a cross breeze. During the night, we heard many strange sounds as if someone was stepping on the rickety timber planks outside. Of course, there was no one except for a big frog with disproportionately big red eyes looking in the direction of our tent. To complete the spooky atmosphere, an old light bulb outside the restaurant was randomly turning on and off, Mm -mm, even though there was actually no electricity. To feel a bit safer and to protect us from the strong winds, I asked my girlfriend if we should close our tent door. She said yes, and just seconds later, the tent door was blown up by the wind and literally closed itself. We had a fitful sleep out there, to say the least. The next morning when we were packing up our stuff, an old man came up to the mountain on his horse and asked if we had a good night. Sure, except for those noises, animals, and those creepy wind. Everything was fine. At least the view from Melinda was worth it. So, but yeah, I was like, Mm -mm. so creepy. Okay. Okay. Now, this one scared me. And it's so simple. It's so simple and it's so short. But I think it's because I could picture it so thoroughly happening to us that I was like, oh, fuck no. Okay. Okay. I went camping with my boyfriend when I was 19. We weren't in a designated camping site, just out in the wilderness of northern Scotland. I was just chilling in the tent using a torch to read my book when all of a sudden the roof just starts bowing inwards. It came down two thirds, two to three feet to the point where I had to lie down so it didn't touch me. I saw 10 points pressing in right above my face like somebody was pressing, it was pushing it down with their hands. Was anyone there? That's it. (gasps) Oh my God. That's it. And I could just so thoroughly picture me like laying there and being like, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. And then I was like, oh no, I hate that. Okay. I have two more. You have two more? I have one more. One more. Okay, perfect. They'll work out perfectly. We were on a road trip from Los Angeles to San Francisco and a long drive ahead of us to Santa Barbara. The coastal views from the Pacific Highway were beautiful. As the sun began to set, we arrived at our destination and I couldn't imagine a more lovely bed and breakfast than the Simpson House Inn. However, I was not prepared for what would happen that that night. I'm sorry. It says, however, I was not prepared for what would be the creepiest night of my life. I was booked in the Catherine McCormick room, which was deep, oh my God, which was richly decorated in burgundy gold, blues, and green tones. I immediately recognized the Bradbury wallpaper. 
The bed was draped with crochet and lace linen. Like most Victorian homes in that era, the rooms were not en suite. My bathroom was located in the hall and had a period features like a pull chain, wooden toilet, and stained glass window. We relaxed on the veranda and soaked in the expansive green lawns with carefully manicured landscaping. Gail, the innkeeper, served wine and hors d'oeuvres, or stoosties, and explained the history of the house. We turned in for the night around 10 p.m., but I had trouble sleeping. I woke intermittently throughout the night and wondered about the time. It felt like hours had passed. Exhausted and in a drowsy state of consciousness, I saw a very thin woman walk into my room. She looked so petite and frail. Her presence felt threatening as she sat on the bed beside me. She barely made a dent in the mattress. I was overcome with fear and panic. Who are you? Why are you here? What do you want? Mm. I was completely aware, but my body was frozen. As I laid on my back with my arms at my sides and able to defend myself, I waited for something dreadful to happen. In the most gentle and caring way, she pulled a crochet throw blanket around my shoulders and carefully tucked the linens around me. Her touch was so light. Within moments, peace swelled over me and the fear faded. I began to realize that she came to comfort me and make me feel at home. Then I slept into a state of unconsciousness. That morning when I awoke, my body was in the same position as when the woman had visited. A chill ran through my body, but I ref- I felt refreshed and completely rested, as if I had a full night's sleep. At the breakfast, I described my experience to my friends and the innkeeper. My friends didn't believe me, and I thought I had a dream, until Gail responded, Oh, that was Emily. <laughs> Who? My friends grew silent. Emily, she used to live here. It was so eerie that an unwelcome ghost came to welcome me. Wow. I like that she was nice. She was like, go to me sleep. Me too. It's like a little abuela. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go to sleep. <laughs> well, I don't have, my last one is not something like that. Don't worry. My last one is scary too. Oh, that's nice. Megan, I love how you ended on a nice note, whereas I don't. And <laughs> apparently neither does Dana. This one is also short. Okay. One of my college professors told us his story. He was camping in the Cordillera Mountains and had his own tent. He woke up in the middle of the night to find a woman with unkempt hair and torn and bloody clothing crawling on all fours towards him. He screamed and woke up. (laughs) (laughs) Megan's face is terrified. It was a dream. When his friends rushed to his tent to see what was the matter, he told them about his dream, and a few of them became visibly uncomfortable, with all of the color draining from their faces. They insisted that they leave camp as soon as the sun came up. It was only after they had left the mountains that his friends told him that several of them had shared similar dreams, except in their dreams, they saw a woman crawling into my professor's tent. (gasps) Fuck no! (laughs) Language. You are welcome. Let me tell you, something happened there. Yeah, they all the shared dream. Yeah, something happened there previously. I'm so scared. Abby, I literally got a full body chill because I was like, "Oh, they all saw her crawling to their tent." No, no, no. They all that. saw her crawling into his shared On dreams. All fours. That should be another topic for another time. Shared dreams. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. Okay, this is my last one, the last one of September. Goodbye. Wake me up when September ends. Okay. When I first started working on a cruise ship, I was warned that some vessels were more haunted than others. One, I never realized that cruise ships would be haunted. Did I? So I said more. It was speculated that this was due to former guests or crew members who passed away while on board, which makes sense because, like, 
they're even equipped with like morgues and stuff like that you know because like people like some people like like to go i've heard things people actually choose to go on cruises to like die when they're older and stuff like that, or they're sick, they're like, like, like I don't know. I'm like, I said, please don't do that. I'd die at sea. I'd die at sea. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be nice. Know, heartbeat. Um, yeah. In any case, one of the larger ships I worked on had two decks dedicated to the kids club, which is where I worked. As children would start, sorry. I was like, for some reason, part of my page was like missing. And I was like, where'd it go? <laughs> Look at this, all this missing. Sorry. Okay part of my notes were missing so i'm just gonna fix them as children would start getting picked up by their families we would begin to close different sections and fewer staff members would be required to stay behind so kind of like shuts down shuts down shuts down like you know Mm -hmm. on the night i was scheduled to leave last i was working on the lower deck of the children's area all the kids upstairs in the upstairs section had been picked up so my coworker closed all the rooms locked the main entrance doors and turned off all the lights before leaving for the night However, about 30 minutes later, I heard footsteps coming from above. The only thing above me was the kids' facility, which had already been closed. I thought it was odd, but figured maybe a staff member had returned to get something. As the last kid in my care was picked up, I kept hearing footsteps coming from upstairs. I went up to check, but there was no one there. Every room was still locked, and all the lights were off. I told some friends later, and they said multiple staff members had similar encounters in the same area. Mm-hmm. At that point, it was just known among everyone that there was a ghost who had made its home in that room. The creepiest occurrence was when the ship's security team called a staff member to the kids' center to ask why there was a child left unattended late one night as they saw a kid on the live security footage alone without supervision. The entire area had already been closed for the night, but was checked again due to the phone call, and it was the same scene. All lights off, every door locked, and no child to be found. Oh, so creepy. Yeah. So, that is it. Abigail, thank you for joining us. You're so welcome. Megan, as always, thank you for being with me on this sisterly journey into scariness. You can find us, and maybe sometimes Abigail, on our Instagram at Scary Sisters Pod, our Twitter, which it's there, living its best life at Scary Sisters Pod. And you can email any questions, concerns, or personal scary stories to our email, which is scary sisters pod at gmail.com. And we will see you next week for, for a regular scheduled sisterly scary episode and then next month abby will join us again for the next month of campfire episodes so until then stay safe and stay spooky megan love you bye abby goodbye everybody bye bye bye